Hello and welcome to a Taylor's Tales podcast. This is Chris's Corner. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and welcome back to a brand new episode. This week, I'm speaking about one of my heroes. I'm continuing down the uh, playlist, the sort of theme of talking about heroes uh, who I've looked up to growing up and also to, to just people who've influenced my life. Uh, from an early age or from people who I find that have an effect on a lot of people. This week I'm speaking about Viggo Mortensen, uh, a credited actor, probably one of the most underrated active actors of our time, and somebody who I thoroughly respect, somebody who has set the bar extremely high as an actor, uh, and someone whose performances are always so diverse and so interesting to watch. Um, I think we're going to go through... so. I'm going to go through the catalogue of work he's done today. We're going to have a look at some of the, the clips that uh, really define these characters. And also, behind the scenes of some of these films that show the real depth that Vigo goes into for his roles and his characters that he's gone through. Uh, a lot of them, actually, that, that, that I've picked out are the main ones that meant a lot to me. But you may find that the sort of like roles may be different in your eyes and how important they are in terms of making his career the way they are uh, for me personally we're going to start chronologically from like 1995 the prophecy the prophecy not like a, a massive film uh, it's a very 90s film it's all about uh christianity's sort of rise and fall through uh, the angels thinking that god loves the human beings too much and that there's a war saying that actually they don't really that matter and, and the angels go to war on earth uh, as Gabriel leading the way. But for me, Viggo Mortensen's small role as the devil in this film is so impactful. This small clip of him talking about the way that uh, how he's viewed and how he views it, God and talking to the main character of the film, who in comparison seems a little bit wet uh, in when you look at Vigo's sort of depiction of the devil uh, and very interesting in comparison to, you know, the devil in Constantine, the devil in um, the Keanu Reeves version of, uh, I'm trying to think of the top of my name, it's, you know, oh my god, I forgot his name. Al Pacino, sorry, Al Pacino playing the devil as well. So there's a big, you know, list of actors who've all played the the bright angel who's fallen, and it's really interesting seeing how Viggo Mortensen tackles this in this clip now. Hello, Catherine. We must talk. Oh my God. God, God is love. I don't love you. I, I can't. I can't do this. I can lay you out and fill your mouth with your mother's feces. Or we can talk. And now that you've seen that clip, you can understand the darkness, the very fear of him just speaking gives you chills. His look, his, I will, you know, his insult to the main character, his... Uh, you know, just bringing up your dead mother and her ashes being filled in your mouth. It's just, you know, fur, you know, feces in her mouth. It's just disgusting imagery. But it's brilliant how he's he's curled up, like he's crouched uh, over a rock and showing this sort of demon-like posture uh, towards the main character. Uh, 
I think it's fascinating uh, to see how he start, started off this like theme of movies as the biggest bad guy of them all to going into the next you know series of films that he does as completely different characters. And we're going to see this throughout his career, the, these films. Uh, as he progresses, he brings a different light to every character. So the next is probably where you know him from most and where I know him from most and basically probably one of the best performances he's ever, you know, given. You know, I feel that's a little bit harsh seeing as he's done some epic performances in other films, but it's the one that's close to my heart. It's him as Aragorn in The Lord of the Rings. And so Vigo, you know, for me, he portrays Aragorn in the perfect way. He is a warrior and he has the ability to be able to be calm in face of absolute, you know, destruction around him in the, in the wars. He's able to become a king. He's able to show love and respect for those around him. He is the ideal sort of king, kingly character uh, who doesn't want to descend into darkness like his predecessors, as in Isildur. And so it's fascinating to see him, how he's played the character. But actually what's more in, you know, for me as as a person, I've already evaluated the Lord of the Rings, so I don't really want to go into it too much, but actually his impact behind the scenes as well. And so his commitment to the role is where we're going to start and how he would take serious beatings through his hands where he'd have like chunks of them missing and how he would find the even in you know fighting with the stump doubles it would get impactful and he would just carry on he even broke his tooth during uh the filming and he just wanted to carry on he said just glue it back together just glue it back together we'll just can, can you continue to do it and i think that peter jackson describes it best in the sense that even with that commitment, he got he took them to the dentist and and got him glued up. He was ready to just jump straight back into shooting after lunch, even after having your tooth smashed in by a sword from a fellow fellow actor. You know, it's it's fascinating to hear these things. And Vigo continues down this path of commitment to the role in how he he is with other people. Right shoulder, it would be Vigo because he just gave everything. His commitment, all his hands, the, the knuckles all had chunks out of it from his sword fighting where no matter how well you planned it, um, you were always getting nicks and, and little abrasions that were very painful. He, he, at one stage, he, he broke his tooth. This very sh hard, solid sword just went crack straight into his front tooth and Vigo's front tooth snapped off and this big chunk of tooth just broke off and fell on the floor. He said, don't worry, we'll just carry on. He bent down, he picked up his broken tooth, and he kind of just stood there and he said, get some super glue, somebody get me some super glue, we can just stick it back on and carry on shooting. And we said, no, Vigo, we're going to take you to the dentist, we'll get you back here in an hour when they finish lunch, and then we can finish the scene. So we just rushed him off for emergency dental work to get this tooth fixed, because we were obviously freaking out. And up to uh, Pete's dentist and... Sat, sat in the chair and all the while he had his sword on and got his tooth fixed and went back to work. It was like business as usual for, for everybody involved and it's only because it's an actor that you're like, it's even mentioned, I think it's, there were a lot of, you know, I mean, stunt people in, in particular that got hurt a lot worse than, pretty much, than, than any of us. And how 
everyone describes him as this sort of gentleman, this character, this caricature who something amazing is going to happen at every point. And I'm going to play a clip now of all the actors giving their small opinions on him that for me it doesn't just reflect upon how good an actor he is it also reflects upon how good a person he is and i think that can also have a serious impact on something that's not really reflected on by hollywood nowadays is who the people are behind the characters as much as they are playing the characters so let's see that clip most times that you're with Vigo, something amazing is not too far behind. He's like an old-fashioned movie star in my eyes, you know? Very gentlemanly and very polite and... You can see the wildness in his eyes. He goes slightly mental. Something kind of clicks. And then he just rugby tackled me for some reason, you know, really, like, bang! So I wondered what would hit me, you know, and I just, you know, you know. <laughs> Vigo is an incredible photographer and he took a lot of photographs throughout the whole time and you know, you sit at your little makeup station and there's a mirror in front of you and he just from the beginning, day one, started to, you know, make a collage all around the outsides of the mirror and by the end of the shoot, there was no mirror left. They were overlapping. It was full of pictures and then it became another layer and another layer. It's all the way up on the ceiling and wrapping around behind and trickling onto our mirrors and he, he was thinking of, like, you know, buying the bus and taking it with him because it was such a brilliant collage of memories and moments and as as well as all of these lovely things that vigo said have been said about i should say is that he also has the respect of the stunt team and in the next clip i really want to show you this just amazing messages said about how he would get involved with the stunt team and as i said earlier with with his ability to take a you know a sword to the face get a cracked tooth and carry on it wasn't just that it was his love for the stunt team and he even said himself that the stunt team took bigger hits than he did and there's a level of respect there that very few actors show to the stunt men and women who are in the industry i love that about him and i loved the way that he he put that forward and he was not willing to take the credit for something that even though it's awe-inspiring, he has that sort of humbleness to be able to say, actually, you know, these guys are doing a much stronger job. So now you understand why they say that he's a king in New Zealand. They say it like there's a level of respect and they do the haka for him to, to show that respect at the end of his filming of the, of the Lord of the Rings. Standing in front of us, we have two kings. Your warriors your chiefs, your friends, but most importantly of all, your family. Family to us, the Lord of the Rings stunting. And it was actually quite emotional after that. I mean, there was this incredible haka. They gave him a haka. This is only performed for dignitaries or, you know, people of importance. And, you know, Vigo, throughout the whole filming of it, was really an important part of the film. He's, he ended up being kicked. And, of course, at the end of it, V goes around and does a headbutt. You know, I wanted to say goodbye, give each of them a hug, but of course the first one I saw was a bam. And then I did another one, I realized, well, I have to do them all now. Man, he, his head was just welted up big time. Yeah, it's a good thing I wasn't shooting the next day. So, as well as all of that, 
as well as all these amazing things that he's done. He also, we all know from the filming of The Lord of the Rings, he has broken his toe on set. And then he's also, uh, <laughs> he's, he's smashed his toe and he's also deflected a knife. So with the broken toe, everyone knows this, it's a common theme through the Lord of the Rings memes on the internet, is if you are watching the Lord of the Rings extended edition or the, just the normal Lord of the Rings, then you will tell everyone around you about the scene in the Lord of the Rings, the two towers, where he kicks the Urukai helmet into the camera and he screams and that scream is because he's just broken two of his toes. And it's amazing that he took that pain took that power and he put it into his performance and that is the the continuous commitment of Viggo Mortensen uh, it's just or again awe-inspiring that you see this level of commitment to a role I don't think I've ever seen somebody you know put that much energy into a role like he has um, as I've spoken about heroes in the past with Robin Williams and his ability to do thousands upon thousands of takes for the genie, there's very few actors like that still about these days. It does seem to me that there's less of of that love for the art. And he, as, as you've seen in the previous clips, Vegan's not just an actor, he's a photographer, he's a, a fisherman, he does all of these things in his free time. He's not just one thing, he's many. And that's what I strive to be in my life. So it's, it's great to see that. When they all come riding up to the burning pile of orcs and they feel that Merry and Pippin have been uh, destroyed, Vigo vents his anger and he kicks the helmet across the landscape. And I said to Vigo, you know, I'm going to put the camera sort of down the hillside a little bit and can you try to kick the helmet as close as possible to the lens because it'll look great if it just like flies past us. And so Vigo did um, four takes. Each take he kind of got closer and closer to the camera. The fourth take I thought was really good. I thought, well, that's pretty close. And then I thought, oh, look, he's got better each time. If I just give him one more take, I bet it's going to look great. So he boots this helmet. And then he let out the scream. I thought, wow, this is strong. I mean, this is like Aragorn is like just in total grief at, at what's just happened to the Merry and Pippin. This is really cool. And he didn't say anything to us, but we found out that Vigo had actually broken two toes with that last kick. And normally an actor would say, cut, cut, I've hurt myself. God, stop, quickly get the medic. I mean, Vigo actually feeling that pain, he actually turned that into performance. I mean, he stayed in the character of Aragorn. He was letting that pain feed and drive his performance, which is pretty amazing. And, of course, you know, it was the best take, so it's actually in the movie. The, the moment that Vigo breaks his toes is there on screen. And then there's also the amazing, you know, lucky, uh, you know, lucky that he didn't get hurt, but also how he deflects this real knife that the stuntman didn't realise, or I should say actor, the, the guy playing Luke Lutz for, for in Lord of the Rings, uh, throws the knife at him and he deflects it with a sword and you can hear the real ting in the clip in a minute from where he's, you know, the real knife, you can hear the metal upon metal contact as he smashes it away. So play that clip now let's hear that reality check. <laughs> And so 
isn't it even more amazing even if you aren't watching this on youtube you're just listening to it from the podcast you can hear that clear pang coming from the the sword upon dagger contact and i am i can't believe that the person playing lurts wasn't shocked and had to stop filming and say are you all right because it's it's as if nothing happened they just continued the shot and continued this amazing sequence of fighting between the the leader of the urukai and aragorn and that's just wow so that's a lot to talk about there for the lord of the rings and i think that you know Vigo for me as well as his amazing performance as Aragorn it was his impact behind the scene that just made the performance in Lord of the Rings even better he was surrounded by people who loved him and therefore the love was shown upon the screen and that can have all the difference when you are in a working environment it doesn't matter where you are if you have people around you who want the best for you and also know that you are willing to risk for them as much as they're willing to risk for you it is so much easier for you to get your job done but also to be able to put in the performance that you want to put in and that is a killer killer situation to be in so the lord of the rings was filmed from 1999 all the way to and then the final film was filmed it was released in 2003 so a lot of the film was done between 1999 and 2000 released in 2001 2002 2003 so that was a lot of period of time for Vigo to commit to the role he wasn't the original Aragorn either and so his son Henry had to persuade him to take the role so it's an amazing situation to be in for, for, for Vigo to go from the 1995 performance of the prophecy to the Lord of the Rings becoming one of the greatest films of all time film series I should say of all time and the highest uh, amount of Oscars ever won for a single film in the return of the king so incredible we then got his performance eastern promises in 2007 and i've got a clip for you in a minute that really sums up the entire character within this film it is about uh, russian gangsters uh, within london and their control over sex drugs uh, alcohol all these things imports exports and how this woman gets involved in this horrible situation who's just a nurse and it's Viggo Morton's, uh, Mortensen's performance as one of the Russian gangsters that is the highlight of the film. His performance and his dark anti-hero slash bad guy vibes going from The Lord of the Rings to this is just, again, another completely different way of portraying him. Because he's, he's big in this one. He's big. He's bulky. He's playing this Russian gangster. He uh, In this scene, you'll see him basically do the a great russian accent number one and number two he puts out a cigarette on his tongue and it's this just oh crap you don't want to mess with him you don't want to mess with this guy he's he's really got it in for you and when he just utters this these words of i'm just going to take off his toes and uh and his fingers and pull out his teeth and just such a calm it's all it's so disturbing the way he says it but it's so calm and collected very different to the uh, arrogance of the devil in the pr prophecy so it's really interesting to see this guy who's just matter-of-factly saying these things so play the clip have you finished cutting his hair Thought you might want six fifty from his pocket. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
better burn wallet. Okay. Now I'm going to do his teeth and cut off his fingers. You might want to leave room. Ciao, Betty, Bye. And so now that you've seen this this performance, this amazing dark piece of, of film, this Eastern Promises, one another film that I love to rewatch, and I may rewatch it again soon because it's so dark. It's brilliant for the time it was made in, and there's very few you know interesting films like this being made nowadays. There's not many uh, what I would call risks risks being taken by hollywood or by any film production and so Cannes film festival films uh, seem to be the only risks the only independents that are out there nowadays and then they get smaller and smaller each year so i'm hoping movies like eastern promises become you know even more influential down the line and we have more directors and filmmakers realize that this is what we want so Ethan promises a very dark and interesting character who I would say you almost root for in some ways to become the, the better guy at the end. But actually, he's he's actually part of the problem. So it's really a really interesting perspective for the viewer. We're not um, we're almost rooting for this guy, even though we know he's the bad guy. So, yeah. And then we've got. The road, probably one of the most harrowing dark films that I've seen it's about a father and a son who exist in a post-apocalyptic world who are just trying to survive and I'm going to play the opening clip like a minute of the opening clip of the film and you're going to listen to Viggo Mortensen's narration of the world that he is in this bleak just ruined world because of a an atomic bomb basically a flash of of dessert and no no animals no nutrients nothing left so stopped at 117. There was a long sheer of bright light and a series of low concussions. I think it's October, but I can't be sure. I haven't kept a calendar for years. Each day is more gray than the one before. It is cold and growing colder as the world slowly dies. No animals have survived and all the crops are long gone. Soon all the trees in the world will fall.
And now that you've seen this almost empty world, it it becomes really tough to watch it. It's a hard to watch film, but it's beautiful. It's brilliant. I'm going to read the book now that I've seen the film because the way that Vigo talks about it behind the scenes in a moment, you'll see he really describes an, a great ad- adaptation of a book to a film. And it looks as if they really nailed it in terms of how the the frailty and the day-to-day life survival mixes with beauty of that survival. So we're going to play a clip now of Vigo basically describing why this film has, has nailed it in terms of not just performance from him, but also of how the the way the author wanted it to be shown on screen. So, Vigo, take it away. There's one line, very simple, of McCarthy's that's the frailty of everything revealed at last. And to me, that's really what it's about. Everything's gone. What is beautiful? What is that one little flower that grows in the desert? What is it? It's simple, really. It's kindness. You know, that's what carrying the fire means. You know, this term that's used in the movie. Once you get past the idea where you accept it, how important it is to survive if that's what you choose to do, what else is there? Is it just about staying alive another day, finding some food, not being killed or eaten? I mean, is that all there is to it? But when everything um, leads you to be afraid and hopeless, and to have happen all those things that, that is inspired by fear, which is to be cruel, to be mistrusting, to be contemptuous of others, really, uh, to be unkind. If you nevertheless choose to be compassionate and loving, in, in spite of everything that goes against that, then that's quite beautiful. And that's that's the journey. You know, that's where you get to at the end. It's it's well earned that uplifting, I think, and that's what I was really. Really, uh, now that you've seen Vigo beautifully sum up why the film has has nailed this this sort of harrowing, as I've said, but also just empty world and utter darkness. It's it's hard to find love and peace and meaning in such a world, and yet they still do. And that is is true in in inspiring inspiring to see and i love films like that because they push the boundaries we, we've seen a lot of post-apocalyptic films during that 2000s period and so when it was filmed when it was released in 2009 uh it was one of many and i don't think it got as much credit as it should have but it was just probably what would happen if humanity went into darkness like that so yeah the next film during his period was uh very different again he plays freud the famous psychologist in a dangerous mind and it's uh, him and his uh understudy at the time we all know sebastian jung Junger, uh, i think i'm saying that right and jung in himself is an inspirational psychologist as well and it's the relationship that those two have as well as with a third party uh this woman who who basically brings out the sexuality from Junger. Uh, Viggo Mortensen playing 
Freud brings out this respectable yet kind of intriguing and in intelligent character because he's clearly smart but he's also really focused in on this part of society and how he can utilize Jung to be able to get a new perspective but also to be able to uh, have this part of his his life change a little bit because the character is, is meant to He's, he's meant to be the same very much throughout the films, wearing the same clothes, very same mindset. He wants to have the consistency of his work stay the same. They don't want to deter from any other part of the study that they're doing. And so it's really intriguing to see how he's portrayed this character that's so well known to the psychological community and the world for that matter, and how he takes everything and, and makes it sexual in some way and so it does you know it, it, it's sort of hitting the nose on the head a little bit in the sense of um you know talk talking about how freud was constantly sexual but at the same time it's, it's a really interesting sort of interpretation of who he was and how he would sort of been at that period of time using the notes and the diaries that he wrote in uh during the 1800s and the early 1900s so yeah and and the film itself yeah it's, it's good but uh, i think vigo mortensen's performance as freud is the most interesting part of it i don't think you have any notion of the true strengths and depths of the opposition to our work there's a whole medical establishment of course baying to send freud to the auto da fe but that's just nothing compared to what happens when our ideas begin to trickle through in whatever garbled form they're relayed to the public. The denials, the frenzy, the incoherent rage. But might that not be caused by your insistence in an exclusively sexual interpretation of the clinical material? Mm. All I'm doing is pointing out what experience indicates to me must be the truth. And I can assure you that in a hundred years' time, our work will still be rejected. Columbus, you know, had no idea what country he discovered. Like him, I'm in the dark. All I know is I've set foot on the shore and the country exists. I think of you more as Galileo and your opponents as those who condemned him while refusing even to put their eye to his telescope. <laughs> in any event, I've simply opened a door. It's for the young men like yourself to walk through it. I'm sure you have many more doors to open for us. Then we've got, and I, I mean, it's kind of funny that uh, Viggo Mortensen has seemed to done consist uh, consistently done films named with the word road in it because he does on the road this time. So he did the road previously uh, in the dark, harrowing world that I talked about earlier, but also he did on the road by Jack Kerouac which is a fantastic book, if you haven't read it or haven't listened to it, about traveling the, the United States of America. Uh, and he plays uh, a smaller part in the film, Old Bull Lee, who's almost like the, the, the wise old man with the film, trying to shed some light on one of the, the, the main characters and how he influences the people around him. And so I didn't, I wasn't able to find many clips of Vigo's performance within the film. So I've got a couple of short clips that I'll be able to play. But apart from that, what I would say is that his depiction of Old Bull Lee was really accurate to the book that I've read and how he, he shows the main character a way that he may be influenced badly by Dean and how Dean may not realise that he's sort of 
turning people's lives upside down but he's going in and out like a just just a, a bullet train just everything besides him get just gets torn apart and he just uh he just does what he knows and he doesn't know any but thing any better basically so it's really interesting to see that part uh be played so well and also show this wise gentleman but also at the same time kind of strange drug uh, addicted and very much so uh, a backwards society at the time but at the same time he seems to be the only stead steadfast character that you can almost get some sort of confidence from throughout the the film and also the book for that and he's not a, he's not very present too much he's a very small part but it's it's a part that the vigo now he does not feel responsibility towards others illusions so let's have a look at the next few parts i'm just going to my notes to be able to figure out where we're at and so we're coming up to the last three films here and these three films, it seems that Vigo has had, you know, some few and far between roles, but he, when he picks them, he picks them right. And so he, the next film that I personally think he nailed was Captain Fantastic. Captain Fantastic is a, a beautiful film about a gentleman who raises his children in the wild of the woods in the outback and not the outback but like the out the equivalent of the outback in the US and he teaches them how to survive how to just be in nature without technology uh teaches them just all the standard stuff he's self he's self-taught and he they don't go to school they just live in the wild and then their mother sadly passes away and so they have to go to her funeral in the center, that a more technologically advanced part of the U.S. And it's all about how the father has to realize that that he can't have his kids being raised basically in this is kind of backwards, um, old timey way, and that it may not be as good for him. And it's it's really heart wrenching a little bit because it's this moment where he has to even though he doesn't agree with what he's doing you have to make the best decisions for others even if you don't believe don't agree with with what you're doing in that sense but it's best for them and it's not best for him and it's, it really is a tearjerker because it's it's so family orientated and so beautiful in that sense and I think Vigo with his dishevel you know, dishevelled beard and long hair and he's he's in there and he looks like he's a wild man. And it's this love for his children that is really reflected in this film and his his want for the best of them. Uh, and and there's almost a joy in how the, the kids bounce off that and, and show little pieces of him uh, throughout the film. Why can't we just stay with you? Because if you do, I'll ruin your lives. And so if you haven't watched Captain Fantastic, please do. And I, I think that you won't be disappointed because it's a feel-good film. And it, it really is. Uh, it's not really easy to see who's the good guy, who's the bad guy in this film. It, it's Everyone's got what they want in life 
and they may disagree on it. And I don't think there's someone who's in the wrong here. They're just trying to do the best for the kids. And I love that about that film because that's reality. That's life. People don't know what they're doing. They just do what they think's best. And sometimes you disagree with people on that. And I think that's beautiful in the sense that we can see a film that depicts that reality. So, yeah, Captain Fantastic is fantastic. Uh, the next two films, Green Book. Probably Vigo's, other than Aragorn, his best performance as this Itab Italian bodyguard uh, to Dr. Shirley. And Dr. Shirley, black man going into the south, he needs somebody to, to look after him while he's performing his, his piano to, to all these rich people in the south. And it's during a time that, you know, black men still aren't welcome down in the south. And so he has to deal with a lot of um, racism and, and, and lots of different scenarios where he's not welcome. And so Vigo plays this character who's, who's very sort of uh, unaware of things like that. And there's this great scene that I'm going to play now where he talks, you know, he, he uses a stereotype of black guys liking chicken to actually build a bond between the two of them. And it shows this, this, this sort of friendship that can be built from, from ignorance to intelligence to love. And it's, it's an absolutely fantastic scene. So let's take a look. Just seems so un unsanitary. Just relax and enjoy it. You know, my father used to say, whatever you do, do it 100%. When you work, work. When you laugh, laugh. When you eat, eat like it's your last meal. You want another piece? Here, have a breast. Delicious. Take it. Here you go. What do we do about the bones? We do this. This is what we do. There you go. When you see the mighty What's the big deal, Doc? Squirrels would eat it anyway. Pick it up, and now that you've seen that scene i think that you can really get warmth from both characters and i don't think that vigo's character realizes what he's doing but he's actually bringing people together in this his sincerity uh, as the the movie goes on even though he's initially uh, a little bit uncomfortable with the way things are and how the dr shirley is he becomes uh, a little bit more okay with it and by the end he's inviting him into into his home for christmas and that to me is 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 such a a beautiful thing to see in green book it tackles so many things it's not just the relationship that they have but it's also family love joy tackling really different social aspects of society at the time uh, and upholding your standards no matter what happens and that is truly difficult to do during that time. And I think that's a, a, a great film. And a lot of it was filmed just in cars, like driving around or driving through restaurants and eating food. Uh, and the amount of weight that Vigo had to put on for this role, really difficult to do. It's like Christian Bale, where he fl flip-flops between weight classes. Like, it's, it's seriously intriguing to see, and it must be an absolute 
you know, ball leg to be able to lose that weight again. And you can see in the next clip, you see that he's back to his chiseled chisel jaw basically after all of that time of being overweight in 2018. And so we're going to go into the final film. And this one's close to my heart in a different sense. It's called Falling. And it's his directorial debut. And it's all about dementia. It's about a father um, and a son. And the father is getting has serious dementia throughout the, the film. And it's really something that, that I've personally experienced. I've seen it with grandparents. And it's really hard to deal with because they're so sure of what they're saying and they're so they think the, the the events happen but they but you're there to correct them and it's heartbreaking for them because they have to relive that pain as Vigo says and I've seen that and that's very difficult to be able to watch and to be able to be around and for him to get that in the film is so interesting it's so perfect and it's probably one of the few films that actually depicts dementia in the, in the right way uh, people aren't confused as Vigo says they are fully conscious of what they're saying they just can't tell the the difference between reality and 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 day um and that again very raw real film and i think he does a great way of, of being a director where he has to be take a completely different view of a film with zero budget and just minimal acting there's minimal actors in it and they just have this relationship between a father and son and how even though the the main character the Vigo plays is um he's he's gay in there and it's this sort of view from both the father and the son so the father sees the 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 father sees the son as like not somebody he would have have seen potentially as his son but at the end of the day this you know he's still his his son and then the, the son's not okay with like how the father is and it's really intriguing to see how they can depict such a, a deep relationship and, and reality of a lot of people have to deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis when they see their parents deteriorate in health, deteriorate in health and how they have to deal with that and how people have to do this without any option. They don't really have a choice because it's their blood, their flesh and blood. They can't just let them go away like that. Uh, and it's heartbreaking to see and you have to deal with it. And this film truly represents that how dementia is portrayed in the story that's something i've had a lot of experience with both my mom my dad my stepdad some of my grandparents aunts uncles with my parents and my stepdad especially my mother and father i had a lot of i was with them a lot even in a caregiving kind of role in terms of movies that i've seen and i've seen some really good ones some plays too like the father those movies as good as they might be those those stories Generally, they're showing that the person with dementia or Alzheimer's as confused, yeah. right? Or their point of view, if they show it, is of a confused person. And that's not my experience. My experience is that the people who are confused are the observers, generally, mm. you know? People taking care of them are the family members. They're confused. And the only time they're really unusually confused or upset is if you correct them. Mm. Like someone they're talking about, like they've just seen and you know they died 30 or 40 years ago, and you say, no, Mom, you know, she died, you know, like, yeah. I think 36 years ago or so. Mm -hmm. Then they get upset. Then they relive that death, and it's terrible. And if they're still in the early stages and they suddenly snap out of it, they're like, 
feel stupid. Mm. So you're really not doing them any favors. But that's a learning experience for that person who's around. Someone has that. So, you know, I, I think we've sped through these films. And Viggo Mortensen will always be a, a fantastic actor, but also somebody who represents what we want in this world. He's a gentleman. He truly shows respect for others around him. He has commitment to the roles that he puts in. Uh, he has other things going on in his life as well as his acting. And he cherishes the roles that he takes. And there's a true humbleness to him. And it's fantastic to see. And I hope he continues to go down this path with these excellent roles that he's done throughout the past, you know, 25 years, basically. So here's to Vigo Mortensen. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast talking about heroes and uh, Viggo Mortensen is the hero of this podcast and I will see if I can come up with some more characters that we can do some deep dives into their careers and show the, the impact they have on people even if it is you know not real and it's fantasy and all these things. I still think that movies and film and all other sort of artists and writers and all these things have a deep impact on on human beings and that that you know is is the most important thing because having that impact can change how people are happy sad they can move emotionally forward and and that can just knowing that you've got a book or a film that can reflect what you're feeling at the time is 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 truly important to some people to get them through the day so this it's been the Taylor's Health Podcast. This has been Chris's Corner. I've been your host, Chris Taylor. And as always, I hope to see you this time next week. Bye now.